Well, hey, good evening, everyone. Good to see you all here this evening. Um, let's see, what do we got going on here this this evening? I think, I think the comments are up and running. Do me a favor, someone toss up just a hi. How you doing? Let me make sure that these are actually working correctly because I definitely want to grab your comments tonight as we get going. You notice. If you notice that the format's a little bit different, I got things set up a little bit different this this evening because we are doing quite a bit for this evening. And uh, if you're not familiar with uh, with the platform, this is Between Meals Apologetics Bible Studies. Hey, Betsy, how you doing? Uh, my name is Pastor George Gray, and this is where we talk about everything Bible, and we are dealing with a very serious topic tonight. Um, it's not something I necessarily planned on talking about and nothing that I want to talk about, but it is something that has to be talked about. <laughs> uh, Chrissy, that's really funny. I'm a passator. It's Greek. It's actually, it's it's Greek. It's just a Greek version of the word. That's fine. Um, so uh, I'm streaming on a, a number of different platforms tonight, more than I normally do. Typically, what I do is I try to use my YouTube platform alone um, because that's where the bulk of trying to grow this thing actually works. Now, if you are watching on Facebook, which I can see a whole bunch of people are, um, if you are interested in this particular uh, podcast, this particular subject of apologetics, Bible knowledge, understanding, application, um, then do me a favor and at some point in time, click over to the YouTube page and subscribe from there. It actually really does help me if we're, if the subscribers are actually there. Um, so a couple things going on. Uh, let's see. You'll notice in the comments section, there should be quite a bit of information that I dropped in earlier that will also be linked to the rest of the video as we, uh, once we wrap up tonight. But, uh, I'll explain what those things are here in just a minute. Now, tonight and next week, this is going to be a two part podcast. Um, we're going to be talking about something very, very sensitive, and that is going to be pornography, sex, immorality. And the church. That's what I titled these these two talks, um, and they're geared around what has been going on recently with Ravi Zacharias. Now, Ravi Zacharias is a very well known Christian apologist. He's been around for a very long time, and uh, he passed away earlier last year. And uh, a whole lot of things have come out about his life that no one could have ever guest were actually there. It's actually pretty horrible. Um, but because I was a very public supporter of RZIM, which is Ravi Zacharias International Ministries, um, and I was also a very public supporter of Ravi himself. I used a lot of his materials. I have most of his books. Um, and uh, I feel that I'm kind of obligated to at least discuss the topic. Uh, I don't plan on dealing a whole lot with Ravi himself. We're going to run through a few things tonight because we have to. Um, but what I want to deal with is the underlying issue of this. Now, if you're not familiar with Ravi's, the, the issue that is going on with Ravi's life, it turns out that he was really engaged in a very long-standing series of sexual misconduct. Uh, and it goes, honestly, it goes well beyond sexual misconduct. We're going to see quite a bit about that. Um, and some of the resources that I dropped in the comments, I'll explain to you what they are uh, and what they're for as we as we continue on. So, First Timothy five nineteen through twenty one reads like this: It says, "Do not receive an accusation against an elder except for from two or three witnesses. Those who are sinning, rebuke them in the presence of all, um, that uh, that the rest may also fear. I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ." Uh, and the elect angels that you observe these things without prejudice, doing nothing with partiality. And essentially what that's talking about is we don't just rebuke the people we don't like. We are, as a, as a teacher, as a pastor, um, it is really an obligation to help people understand where things go wrong. And because I publicly supported him, I, I do feel obligated to, to at least speak out in this public forum about his rebuke. Um, it's not what I wanted to do, but it is what what we're doing. Um, now, when this information about Ravi first started coming out, I need to preface this just a little bit. When this really first started coming out, I, I did not want to get involved because I did, actually didn't think I was going to be able to do it well. Um, I knew that everyone on YouTube was going to be jumping all over this, and uh, and they have, and um, for a lot of different reasons. Some people have done a very good job with it. Other people, it is nothing more than a train wreck of uh of of horribleness 
Um, and really a lot of people just do it just to get views on their channel. And I think that's pathetic and immoral and, and that's a whole nother, another issue there. Uh, now in the comments, you're going to see two links to YouTube videos. And those two links are for a video by a man named Mike Winger, um, Bible Thinker Ministries. And um, I've been following Mike for a long time. I don't know him personally, but I, I follow his ministry for, I've been following it for a long time. Um, he is an absolutely fantastic apologist, a wonderful Bible teacher, and a very caring guy. Um, you can tell that when it comes out in his videos. Now, he did a treatment of this issue, and he did a phenomenal job. So I'm going to link that down there, and I am not going to do what he what he did he went through the actual report um, of the organization that was hired to investigate this um, and he did a fantastic job going piece by piece it's very difficult to sit through because some of it's kind of stomach turning um, but at the same time he did a fantastic job don't see the point of reproducing that so i wanted to, to throw that up there i hope at some point in time don't do it right now but at some point in time you click over and you watch that video because it will help you understand the depth of this situation Dealing with Robbie specifically. And another one I put up there is from Elisa Childers. Um, it's a shorter video, uh, and it's, it's called When My Lifeboat Sprung, Springs a Leak. Um, and she talks about her connection to, to Robbie's teachings and how it helped her. And she gives a much, uh, a much more heartfelt treatment as kind of the, the, the way to look at it. I think she did a really good job with it. So I wanted to link that over there. And maybe for some of you, maybe this is just a way of getting you connected to a couple of other uh, apologists and podcasters that are out there that I think do a really, really good job. So, uh, and of course, uh, every atheist in the world has, uh, that's on YouTube has taken the opportunity to use this to besmirch the church and to bludgeon people over the head because they have nothing better to do with their life, um, than to remind people that it's more important to believe in nothing than to believe in something, which is a very, very sad place for them to be. I really feel bad for them. Um, so, and this honestly shouldn't surprise, shouldn't surprise anyone. Now, if you are, if you are seeing and hearing people basically run Ravi down um, for this, and you'll understand more as we get into it, I apologize, and I'm kind of just jumping into this. But as you as you as you see that, and as you as you deal with it, and people try to use it to besmirch the faith and to talk about why Christianity isn't you know is isn't trustworthy and why the church is bad and all this stuff. That's my best piece of advice to you is just let them do it. Just don't sit there and try to fight with them because in this context, there's really no good way to, 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 to argue this. There's really no good uh, conversation that we can have with it because at the end of the day, he did what he did. And, and, and as Christians, we should be able to at least admit that he did what he did. And it was very, very, very wrong. Um, we shouldn't hide it. We shouldn't excuse it. We shouldn't, we shouldn't try to cover it up. What we should be doing is examining the issue learning what we can from it, from it, and then moving on um, for the sake of the gospel. Now, that being said, um, I think there are several very important lessons that we can learn as the church from this that I think are very important. Um, now, like I said, the, the report from Miller and Martin, which is in – the link to it is in your um, – uh, in, in the comments. Uh, it will also be linked to the YouTube after we're done um, – it's it's there. Some of it's honestly difficult to read when you when you understand the depth of of what he got into. Um, but here's here's the basic idea: this issue, this sexual misconduct, this this sexual abuse, really is what it was. Um, it's it doesn't end with Ravi. It didn't start with Ravi. Um, Ravi's failures are not just about him. And this is this is what I want to do. Everybody else is talking about Ravi and how sad they are and how and everything around it. I'm I'm going to touch on that tonight just so that we're aware of what we're going on, but I really want to deal with what I believe is a much larger and much more important issue. Ravi has passed on. He's he he's dead. He is he has whatever judgment was waiting for him. It has happened. And that judgment is going to be far beyond anything we can do, anything that we can understand, and far, far more godly than anything that we would impose. So that, that, that part is done. So as the church, what do we do now? And a lot of people tend to look forward. I tend to look back. Um, it's just a natural tendency, but I think that helps balance some of the teaching that's, that's online. And maybe, maybe this can help some of you guys as well. But I want to deal with the fruit of, uh, Ravi's issues are the fruit of, a, I think, a much larger issue. And uh, what I'm going to call Call this issue, and you may or may not like the way it sounds, but I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna treat it basically in this way. I'm gonna call it basically. I look at it as the passive acceptance 
of immorality within the church. Uh, let me say that again. The passive acceptance of immorality within the church. Now, it does not take a genius to look over the last 50 years or so in church history and find uh, numerous very high-profile people uh, like Carl Lentz, all the way down to MLK, who have had affairs and and have had moral failings. And the church has done unfortunately, a lot of work to try to cover these things up. Um, I mean, if you look at just over the last last 10 or 20 years, look at the amount of pedophilia that has come out within the Catholic Church. I know people hate to talk about that, but it's there, and it has to be dealt with for what it is. You can't just call it, well, sexual misgivings. No, it was predatory pedophilia within the ranks of the, of, of the ministry, and it needs to be dealt with with what it was. Um the church globally has a long history, and, and atheist historians love to point this out. We've got a very long history of leaders having serious sexual problems, compromises, and and it gets covered up by uh, it gets covered up by the ministry. It gets covered up by the diocese or the denomination or however you want to say it. And this makes these are things that are very difficult for us to hear. And some people just hate to talk about them altogether, but we need to be able to have this dialogue in in a very plain, uh, plain, plain manner. And people don't like to talk about these things, uh, which is annoying uh, because they're 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 such a big part of the world that is around us. We need to have an open discussion and dialogue about this. Now, you think about this: half the problem in the church is that these things actually happen in the church. They, they, they really do. We can't argue with this. It really does happen within the church. We can't just pretend that it doesn't happen um, because the, the idea that this is, has not been a historically persistent issue within Christianity is just us lying about it. We're just, we're just not paying attention. You know, the problems, if you think about this, the problems that we refuse to acknowledge are problems that we will never fix. You can't fix something that you won't acknowledge are broken. Uh, now, I don't know how many people have ever ever grew up with a doctor dad. You know, you fall down the stairs, you break a leg, bone sticking out of your leg, and your dad's like, walk it off. It's like because he doesn't want, doesn't want to deal with the problem because now there's a really real a big, a big problem there. Um, you know, or people who just, you know, my car's not broken until it's, you know, louder than the stereo. <laughs> uh, and then what you end up with is a, a much larger problem. Uh, now, for guys, we, we, we do this all the time. We have aches and pains, and we don't go to the doctor. And by the time we go to the doctor, we have a very serious problem. And you know what? That's our own pro- That's our own fault. But when it comes to sexual misconduct within the church, there are much bigger underlying issues than the events themselves. The events themselves are, horrib- are, are horrible, and we should be dealing with them severely. But we need to get back to the root causes of these things. Now, in my his, in my experience, 27 years, uh, I've always been very open about my own past with pornography, uh, my own past with abortion. Um, it's my church is actually is, is very used to it. It still makes some people uneasy, but you know what? There, there you go. That's just kind of the way it works. But when I've when I've traveled and, and been able to speak, and when I've when I've talked to different churches, and I've I, I'm I'm very open about this subject because it needs to be talked about openly. It tends to make people very uneasy, and what I found over the years is that the church in general has a tendency of really ignoring this issue and almost pretending like it doesn't even exist. Like we don't we don't want to talk about it. We we just don't want to talk about it. We we can't do that. We can't continue to do that. Ravi is a great example of why we can't do that, and I'm going to get to that maybe tonight, if not next week, as to to what some of my thoughts behind this. But when it comes to sexual immorality in the church and pornography in the church, especially, um, I was trying to think of a, a of a way to to explain this today and a way to illustrate this idea of when Christians and with the, when the church is presented with the problem of pornography in our world, what we tend to do. And uh, I don't know how many of you know this about me, but I have a very strange sense of humor, and that's just the way it works. And the first thing that came to my mind was this. For- forgive me. It is but a scratch. A scratch? Your arm's off. No, it isn't. Well, what's that, then? I've heard worse. You liar! Come on, you pansy! <laughs> I just cut your arm off. No, you didn't. What's that? 
We do the same thing with things like pornography. We talk about the about pornography being in the church, and forgive me for for for, for giggling, but I'm trying to add a little levity to this because we're going to get into some pretty serious things tonight. But when the when these things happen in the church, we can't just pretend that they don't exist. We can't just ignore it and and oh, no big deal. Oh, I've had there's been there's been worse things that have happened. It doesn't matter if there have been worse things that have happened. The problem is this has happened. So we have to deal with it how it was with 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 what's in front of us. You know, heaven forbid that we talk about sex and sexuality uh and and sexual issues and per, and pornography from the pulpit in our church in our small groups. Heaven forbid that anyone bring up the the discussion of sex and sexuality in a youth group. Oh my goodness, why would you ever want to talk to teenagers about sex and sexual misconduct and being sexually pure before the Lord? Why would we ever want to do that? It is but a scratch. A scratch? Your arm's off. No, it isn't. Well, what's that then? I've heard worse. You liar. Come on, you pansy. Have at you. Every time I speak about this at another church, um, and every now and then when I talk about it here at my own church, I have people who warn me, who have, have actually approached me and warned me, you shouldn't talk about subjects that make people so uneasy because they may not come back to the church. Stop and think about that one just for a second. In the church, from the pulpit, speaking from God's words, talking about godly sexuality, godly sexual purity, let's not talk about that from the pulpit because that might make someone uneasy. <laughs> so does sin. Everything we talk about from the pulpit makes people uneasy because we're talking about godliness and righteousness from the pulpit. And the idea that this issue is not extraordinarily pervasive within the church and within our communities and even in our own homes, we're just fooling ourselves. The idea that this is not something that we need to be dealing with, we're just fooling ourselves. I meet Christians all the time who tell me when I talk about this that Porn and immorality, sexual immorality, is not as big of a problem as people like me make it out to be. Now, if that's you, if, if you're thinking some way that pornography, that passive pornography is not as big of a problem as someone like me makes it out to be, I want to bring a couple things up to you. I want to, I want to talk to you a little bit about this issue within the church today. Now, I'm going to put a question out to you. Some of you have already know they already know the answer to this. Don't put your answer up there, but I would like the I, I would like some of I would like you guys to put up what you think the answer is. Um, but I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Now the largest supplier of pornography in the world is a company called MindGeek. And one of their top platforms is a company called Pornhub. Um, now I've been I only know this because I've been doing research as we've been getting closer to this. So just just understand that. So in 2017, here's my question to you. If you were to add up all of the minutes of pornography that was streamed from their servers, one one provider from their servers, how many how long of a of a of a section of linear time in days, months, or years? do you think was absorbed in one calendar year, in the year 2017, from the servers of the largest supplier of pornography in the world, online internet pornography in the world, What? Do, how much time do you think was, uh, did, did that did that encapsulate from, from beginning to end, in days, months, or years, you, you decided to pop your answers up there on how much you think was there. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you when I get to the end of a couple of other statistics. So here's some things, um, so here are some things that I need to uh, uh, make you aware of. So here are some other things about the porn industry while you guys are trying to work up your calculations. So the porn industry globally is a $97 billion a year industry. $15 billion, that's with a B, in the U.S. alone. $15 billion in the U.S. alone. Now, just to give you a comparison, Hollywood on a good year makes $10 billion. Hollywood, like the regular movies that you go see, will rake in about $10 billion profitability over the course of a year. In the United States, the porn industry, the sex trade, brings in 15 
billion dollars a year, 97 billion globally. The U.S. porn industry makes more money than the National Football League, Major League Baseball, and the National Basketball Association combined every year. Every year. That's how much money is generated from these types of companies. 12% of all internet content is porn, and porn providers are among the top three users of all internet bandwidth globally. The only two, the other two that are in there were, um, uh, for, for this particular statistic, the year that this was done was Google and Netflix. And I'm pretty sure Netflix has been taken over by, I, th- I think Amazon or another one of those. But basically, porn is still in the top three of the ones that consume. Okay. Now, um, as we're going, if you guys have questions and stuff that you'd like me to tackle at the end of this, please go ahead and pop those up. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be scrolling through some of those, uh, as well, but, um, we'll, uh, we'll be looking at this, t- uh, I'll, I'll be looking at some of these things later. So if I don't, if I don't hit your comments as we're, as we're going through, please forgive me, but I'm trying to, uh, move as we go through. So the amount of porn that's consumed from the Pornhub website, from their servers every year, Brace yourself for this because you're not actually going to believe it. In 2017, the number of the amount of time that was streamed from their servers in one year was one million. That was million eighty five thousand eight hundred six point six nine years. Now, roughly speaking, that's about three thousand years of pornography is consumed in a single day. Now, just in case you think that my math is off on that, I want to help you understand that I actually consulted a math magician today, someone who is way better with those number things than I am, and this is the actual calculation. In in 2017, Pornhub logged officially 87 billion point eight views, 87.8 billion views. The average view for pornography on the on the internet is 6.5 minutes. 8 billion views times 6.5 is that ridiculously astronomical number right there. Those are minutes, by the way, divided by 525,600, which is the number of minutes in a year, you get 1,085,000 years, 806. That's the amount of pornography from one platform, one provider globally, that's how much pornography was consumed in our world just in 2017. Now, let me give you a couple of other statistics to go along with this. Now, the I looked at the amount of uh, pornography consumed over 2020 during COVID, and it was roughly a 20% uptick in the main pornography providers. But that was 20% from 2019. So if you were to take these numbers in 2017 and you look at 2019 and you go up 20% for that, it's probably a safe bet that you can add 30 to 35% increase over the numbers that we just looked at here. Okay. I don't know about you, but this goes beyond, beyond anything that I could have, could have even thought of. It's, it's so mind blowing, but here's, here's a problem with this in the church, somewhere between 40 and 60% of men struggle with pornography. Now, before you get all bent out of shape about that, just understand somewhere between 16 and 40% of women in the church struggle with pornography. That's a Barner research, by the way. In the church, seven out of 10 ministers struggle with pornography. These are the ones that are surveys, surveyed the ones that will admit it. So you got to think that the numbers are what they are. Pornography, passive, like I said before, passive acceptance of immorality within the church is a huge root issue of things like this. So for the church to think that this is not a problem and that we needed to focus on something else, it's just ridiculous. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Sexual immorality always starts with small moral compromises. I'm just going to look at this. Well, I'm just going to, you know, well, my wife gets that magazine, and so I'm just going to look through it to see if I find anything that I like that she might be, you know, she might she might want to look at. These are things that are far more difficult than most people realize. They might be fun for a second, but they can cause very, very big problems. 
Big problems grow from small problems. No one ever starts out the way Ravi ended up, and we're gonna we're gonna learn here in just a few minutes as to where 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 Ravi ended up, and it was bad, way worse than anyone would have would have imagined. And the list of people within the church that have fallen to, to these types of, uh, of sins is very extensive, um, and it's it's not that easy to uh, it's not that hard to find, and the and the list goes 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 on quite a bit. But among those lists, the list of those who have fallen, none of them have affected me the way Ravi's has. Um, like I said, I was among those people who did not want to talk about this when this started coming out. I didn't want to talk about this at all. I was actually more upset that people were bringing these allegations to a man who had died than I was about the allegations themselves, and that's that's on me. That's that's a that's that's me putting someone up on a pedestal where they don't belong. When I read the report, the the full report from RZIM, I'll tell you what my my initial thought was uh and some of you uh samantha put uh put this up online a couple days ago my very first thought was god for please forgive your church for placing men on such a high pedestal that their only way off is to fall god forgive your church for doing this and i'm going to explain to you uh, as we as we continue i'm going to explain to you why i came at it from that list but none of these none of these these men have have affected me the way ravi has and i think that's probably true for a lot of people around the world ravi's books and his videos and his teachings have helped develop me in my own ability with apologet- apologetics and preaching um writing the way i approach things he his 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 understanding the way he approached things very much shaped how i approach things um, and I, I, for a long time, modeled myself after thinking the way he would think. And now I'm, I'm, I'm like trying to figure out what, 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 where did, where did we go wrong? Where did we not see? Well, how did we not, not know what was going on? I mean, the whole reason why I, I, uh, moved into the field of apologetics was because of Ravi. And now I've got to deal with that. You know, the idea that he really wasn't who, who we thought he was. And the idea of why would someone attack someone like Ravi when all of this, you know, got the guy's dead. He's not even here to be, he's not even here to defend himself. How can we, how can we possibly do, uh, you know, bring these charges against him? And what we find out, and if you watch Mike Winger's video, you're going to see this spelled out very clearly. He does, I really mean, he does a really fantastic job the, the way he, the way he approaches it. Highly recommend watching that video. But what you find out is the reason why it didn't come out while Ravi was still alive is because Ravi was a master of manipulation. He knew how to hide things. He knew how to keep things covered up. He was very good at keeping this thing a secret. It was, it's, it's really unbelievable how good he was at this. It couldn't have come out while Ravi was still alive because of the lengths that he went to to keep it a secret, and he knew how to cover his tracks. The report came out with some amazing things that he did to, to, keep, these, to keep this under wraps, and it is, it is hard. It, it is really hard to read when I when I read through RZIM's press release and when I read through the full full report, it was really hard to see that because I I, I mean I'm I got the report like the day it came out. I've read it a couple of times. I've gone through it. I've watched the I've watched Mike's video on it a couple of times just to get my head straight. I still have a hard time believing that this is the same guy, but that is the that is the reality of the pull of sexual immorality when you give yourself over to it. So what I want to do is I'm going to I'm going to go through the accusations against Ravi. We're going to kind of let you know what was going on with his life and then we're going to talk about a couple of things. Um and then not tonight but but next week we're going to be talking about the root issues of this of sexual immorality within the church. Um and where some of this stuff comes from how how we how we can actually provide a defense for ourselves when we're dealing with something like this and how we can, can keep ourselves in a, at a level of purity. Um, and it's, it's, man, it's, it's still really difficult to think about. 
Excuse me. Uh, and again, I want to remind you that the report is is linked in the comments section, so you can you can actually print it off yourself and read it if you want. So here is basically a rough break uh, breakdown of what was going on um, in Ravi's life. <sighs> so Ravi had multiple sexual encounters with multiple women over many years prolonged sexual deviancy and uh, immoral se- immoral sexual relations. Um, most of this is geared around um, uh, uh, massage parlors, and he was actually an owner in a couple of massage parlors. And um, I have my own views on that. We're gonna we'll get to that later if we have if we have some time. Um, but basically, for for in, in a nutshell, he had multiple sexual encounters. <laughs> excuse me, with multiple women um, in both the U.S. and overseas. So he often traveled when he would travel around the country. He would travel with a personal massage therapist. Turns out she was also one of these people essentially on his payroll to take care of him. We'll just kind of leave it at that. Now, he did have a very serious back injury, and, and part of me wonders if this is where it started, but where it started doesn't matter. Where it ended up is really the really the issue. Um, now, many of the massage therapists that he had these relations these relations with described his actions towards them as unacceptable, inappropriate, offensive. One actually described it as rape. Now, some of the some of the ways Ravi spoke back to these women. One of the women, very specifically in the report, laid out that Ravi said that she was his reward for living a god living a uh, for for serving god with his life and this was the girl that re that basically described his actions towards her as 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 rape that she was his reward for a godly life that when i read that honestly that just that just broke me that just i i can't i can't even understand where a man's mind comes up with that Ravi also used ministry finances to pay, bribe, and provide lifestyles for many of these women um, through direct payments, through monthly supports, like, like monthly support checks to these women who were servicing him overseas, uh, lavish gifts. Um, some people say, mentioned that he bought them like Persian rugs, uh, you know, w- wallets with with money in them, and just kind of handing this stuff off. One lady in um, in the Bangkok area. Um, he ended up paying for her to come to the U.S. to go to culinary school using ministry funds, and basically she took care of him while she was she was there, and uh, you can imagine how that can spiral out of control. He also maintained two apartments in the Bangkok area. This lady that he sent off to culinary school actually lived in one of them. Um, he lived in one... His people would live in another one, um, and he would say that that's where he would go to write. That when he was writing his books, that's where he would be. Now, it's important to note that these particular apartments are three miles away from the three largest red light districts in Bangkok. And if you know anything about that part of Southeast Asia, um, it's not known for its moral purity. We'll just leave it. We'll just leave it at that. Ravi also took great steps. And, and that can't be can't be um, understated. Great steps to hide his behavior from his family, his ministry, and even those who traveled with him. He maintained multiple phones and other electronic devices. He used unsecured wireless networks to avoid administrative footprints. Even when he was back at RZIM headquarters, he would use an unsecured wireless network. And and the reason why someone would do that is because they don't want their device to get logged into the administration side of it because it gets recognized. So they don't, so he can actually maintain a degree of anonymity while he's on the public Wi-Fi, um, and it's harder to track what he's doing. Now, he said that it was for security purposes. Anyone who knows anything about internet security knows that an unsecured public wi- wireless network is not as secured as your secure private company network. Hello? Unless you're trying to get away with something. Now, the worst part to me is that RZIM actually knew he was doing this, and they just kind of let it happen. 
on his devices over photos of over 200 young women in various poses, some clothed, some nude, some in videos performing different actions for him for his personal viewing. These were honest these were honest devices. So the idea that these are trumped up charges that this is just made out that people are blowing this out of proportion. I was on that bandwagon at the beginning. As it progressed, it become became much much harder to uh, to agree with that, and uh, now it's really just impossible. You you can't. the 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 bottom line is he, he he did it, and it was far worse than what most people are even can can even realize. Ravi also maintained sole control over a uh, section of RZIM funds. Um, it was it was dedicated to a, a, a ministry, and I, I think it, the ministry was Touch of Hope or something like that is what it was called. But he had total control over it. It was unaccounted for money, basically. And this is what he used to pay for these women and their lifestyles and their gifts and things like that. He did it under the guise of outreach. This was the – the level of depravity in this just be, just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And then we come to Lorianne Thompson. Some of you may recognize that name um, because back in 2017, Lorianne Thompson, a Canadian woman, um, brought allegations against Ravi for engaging in a very explicit sexual conversations over uh, over their phones, where he asked her for photos. Um, now, what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to read you a small portion of the report. I don't want to read you a bunch of it because Mike does it in his video, and I really do want you to watch that video. But I want to read a small portion because this is this is important to where he was at that particular time. So this is uh, this is from the uh, Miller Thompson report. It says, as mentioned above, the scope of our investigation included allegations involving Mr. Zacharias and a Canadian uh, woman named Lori Ann Thompson. Ms. Thompson accused him of engaging in sexually explicit online conversations with her and also soliciting and ultimately receiving, and that needs to be made known, she did send him some stuff, receiving many indecent photos of her. She claimed that he groomed her as he gained her trust as a spiritual guide, confidant, and notable Christian statesman. After which she opened up her life. So she kind of gave him her trust and then he abused that trust. Now it's important to note that in the other reports, the other sections of the report, this is a common, very common trend among the women that Ravi abused. So it's easy to look at her and say, nope, isolated innocent. It's really not. This was very, very common with what was, uh, with what was going on. So, um, so to, uh, uh, opened up her life to him to the point where he exercised a controlling influence over her as one with spiritual authority. He used this influence, she claimed, to exploit her vulnerability to satisfy his own sexual desires. While they were never physically intimate, and that has been shown to be true, Miss Thompson alleged that they engaged in an emotional relationship through electronic communication that culminated in him asking for photographs of her, <coughs> excuse me, including nudes, which she sent in order to avoid protracted and public litigation. On April 27th, 2017, the Thompson sent Mr. Zacharias a letter demanding $5 million in exchange for a release of claims against him and the ministry. Why that happened, I can't tell you. That letter did happen. That is what they asked for. But keep in mind, because they may have asked for something ridiculous does not excuse Ravi's behavior. That needs to be made very clear. Said so in response, Mr. Mr. Zacharias sued the Thompsons in federal court for the extortion under the federal racketeering uh, uh, influenced and corruption organization, the RICO Act statute. On July thirty first, two thousand seventeen, the Thompsons and Mr. Zacharias mediated and confidentially resolved their disputes in late fall twenty seventeen. The resolution reportedly included a non disclosure agreement, an NDA. RZIM management informed us that they do not 
have and have not seen the NDA because it was not made through RZIM. It was it was a personal thing that he had had orchestrated. The family is the one that owns that NDA, and Miss Thompson is still under that NDA, and she cannot speak about what actually happened without actually being sued by the Zacharias family. That's why you haven't seen anything about that in, in regarding her. So anyway, and therefore uh, RZIM, which was not party to the lawsuit, was not able to provide it to us. This is the organization that did the the uh, uh, investigation. We are therefore not in a position to evaluate the scope of the NDA or the possibility that either side may have previously violated it. Now, what has been what has come out is that Ravi, when that NDA, so they they had an NDA before the lawsuit. They had worked out an agreement. Once they signed it, Ravi violated his own NDA and then sued them publicly. And basically what he did is he used the full force of RZIM to destroy the Thompson family. He basically informed her, and this is from her own video testimony, which again you'll see in Mike Winger's video, that he could carry this thing on for years and there's no way that they could afford to, to, uh, uh, to fight him because he can drag this thing out and may, and basically bankrupt them. So that's why they settled because there was no way that they could, they could keep up with this. They didn't have the power behind them that he had and they knew it. So their only option was, was to back out. And they're, they're actually pretty, pretty destroyed as a family. Now what I want to do is I want to read you a section of a book by Ravi. And ironically, I want to show you this book is titled, Whoop, Has Christianity Failed You? This book was copyrighted in 20, uh, 2010. It was released in 2017, late 2017. Uh, and I find that very interesting because this book was released, at least this one was printed, the information that I found, um, during the time where this stuff was happening. So it was copyrighted in 2010. There was probably some other ones out, but... It was re-released in 2017 when this was going on. I want to read you a section of this book. The only thing I can think, well, well, let's let 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 let's read this because it's it's hard it's hard enough to even even think about this. So this is from the book. Has Christianity failed you? Failed you? And this particular section of the book is entitled, uh, yeah, illegitimate sexual expressions. He says, the writers of scripture, however, focus our attention on numerous other vices alongside inappropriate sexual behavior, injustice, pride, greed, malice, hatred, uncontrolled tongues, gluttony, and the list goes on and on. Condemning sexual misconduct, we in the church have neglected to show why sexual deviations from God's prescribed way are so detrimental to an individual and to society. Now, you, it, it sounds like he's trying to defend his own behavior in this, but he's, he actually isn't, okay? So you've got to keep reading on. It says, God has given us the gift, gift of the intensity of passion with, within the context of the sacredness of love, okay? Take either the passion or the correct context. Take away either the passion or the correct contents, and you have something less than what God intended it to be. After all, sexual uh, sexual drives and fulfillments are God-given. It is the one sensation we experience that God himself is free of because God is spirit and not flesh. Essentially, he has allowed us to experience the maximum pleasure that the body is made for until the spirit becomes the essence and substance of our existence. And sexual, uh, and sexual drives no longer hold sway over us. Now, Hang on, because it still sounds like he's trying to, he's, he's passively defending himself, but he's actually not. He's about to incriminate himself in a big way. This amazing gift to experience sexual love is built in only as a transitory expression. To make it, listen to this carefully, to make it the pursuit of life is to take that which is intended to be temporary and make it the ultimate pursuit. It is taking that which is sacred and making it commonplace. It is taking that which is designed to be fulfilling only in a restrictive sense and, tr- and uh, um, excuse me, and trying to make it fulfilling in an unrestricted sense. Such deviation of purpose is destructive to the very act of the intent of the gift. Everything he just wrote there is completely biblically accurate. So it shows us that he knows, he knows what the truth is. 
And he knows how sex and sexuality is supposed to be applied. But then there's what his life actually does and what he actually, how he actually lives this out. Another section of the book reads like this. It says, a recent conversation I had with a film producer turned to the subject of violence as an art form. In a remarkable comment, he said that in our society, we think something is violent only if it causes physical injury. The worst kind of violence, he said, is that which destroys personal dignity, value, and worthwhile, appearing to be benign because it is not causing bodily harm, bodily injury. He was right on. Ravi's agreeing with him. This is precisely what happens when the sensual drives our motives and the worth of a human life is diminished with every indulgence. Marriage and sexual expression are tied together in the teachings of Jesus. This is still from his book. One may choose to challenge the teachings and even criticize them, but one cannot deny that he taught them. To take sexual practices and denude them of their intended purpose is to create a society open to the risk of realities too numerous to mention. Just as love that is denied pleads for the touch of compassion, love that is abused destroys lives and ultimately destroys society. It ultimately destroys society. I don't know what happened to him. I don't, I don't know what happened to him. All I can think of when I read this is Jekyll and Hyde. When I see, when I see what the investigation found, and it can't be denied. You can't argue with the end of the investigation. What happened happened. He did it. But then you have the person writing these books. And you have the person speaking on stage that he was. It's as though there was one side of him that was still vehemently connected to God and one side of him that had no control over itself. Now, if you guys have any questions or comments or something you'd like me to elaborate on, elaborate on tonight um you can go ahead and start putting those up um and i'll i'll uh, if you want to hang out and, and and talk and discuss this because i i will hang out and talk and discuss this a little bit more but i don't want to get into what i'm going to do next week because it will just simply take too long and i really hate long podcasts um i know guys like to talk for two two and a half hours and things like that i am not that guy my voice does not hang out for that long um i have you know my my my, my lovely uh um sarcasm juice but at the same time it uh I can't talk for two hours like that. And honestly, I think it's too much to try to absorb if we're doing it all at once anyway. Um, so let me, let me, let me sum up a couple of things here for you. I do not believe, and I need to make this very clear. I do not believe that Ravi's salvation experience, when he talks about his salvation, his salvation story, I do not believe that he was making anything up. I fully believe that when Ravi talks about accepting Jesus on a bed of suicide, when he talks about that, I fully believe that he really did. I fully believe that he began his ministry with all the right motives and intentions. I, I, cannot, I cannot believe that what was created was done so with as the person he ended up. I don't believe that's who he was when things started. I, I can't, I can't believe it. I won't believe it. And I'm not willing to say that he was never sincere about his faith. I'm not willing to go there. That's between him and God, and that that judgment has been made. We do not know how, why, or when. But at some point in his life, a door was open to him, and he stepped through it. A, the door of immorality was open to him. Now, someone someone like him who traveled 200 or more days a year with a very serious back injury, because all of this stuff was gathered around massage parlors, part of me wonders if he was not simply in the wrong place at the wrong time 
exhausted and maybe even in pain, walked into the wrong massage parlor to get some kind of relief and ended up with more than what he was planning. However it happened, it it doesn't matter. We don't know if it was stupidity or arrogance, but that choice, whatever that choice was, changed the course of his life and led him down a path of really death, destruction, and moral perversion. What he became, how he ever he started, it's like I said, at this point, it is irrelevant. What he became is a depraved, twisted man who fell victim to more than simply lust. Lust is all around us all the time. You can, you can learn to fight that. But he fell victim to far more than just simple lust. He actually became a very patient, and the report bears this out. He became a very patient, a very calculated, methodical, sexual predator. And I chose my words very carefully for that, so I'm not, I'm not misspeaking. He became a very patient, calculated, methodical, sexual predator. And he was that almost the entire time that I was looking up to him. And that makes me sick. It makes me sick. When we look at people like Ravi and what their life became and how they finished, we have to at least take a moment do a quick internal inventory. Okay, where am I? Who am I? What am I looking at? What am I doing? And then figure out, try at least to figure out how we might be able to identify and avoid what it is that entrapped him. And that's what we're going to be doing next week. What we're going to be doing next week, we're going to be talking about some of the subtle, passive, immoral acceptances that are in the church. Things like and, and I'm gonna be I'm gonna be very plain with you folks. We're gonna be talking about some of the movies and shows that we watch. We're gonna be talking about some of the clothes that we wear, some of the things that, that parents allow their kids to do. Excuses like, well, you know, um, I don't like it, but that's the only clothes that my daughter can find, or or what or, or whatever other lame excuse that we that we use to not look hard enough to guard ourselves from this nonsense. I want to read you a uh, one of the closing one of the ending parts of of Ravi's book has Christianity failed you and uh I think this was <laughs> uh, pretty amazing this is a warning not just to us but to him as well and unfortunately it's a warning that he never actually took never ever actually took it to heart He says, there is a time to pull away from the cacophony of voices and clutter of ideas and search one's soul. As as the old Irishman said to a man who asked him for directions, if that's where you want to go, this is not where I would begin. In plain English, you are so far off the track that you will have to go back even farther before you can start moving forward. In that spirit, I ask you now to come away for a while and to think through carefully what all is meant for you and for all who come after you. This is absolutely essential. (laughs) I can't even begin to understand what Robbie's family must be going through, what RZIM, the ministry, must be going through, what how intense things would be for them during during this I, I i can't even understand it as a pastor as someone who is who is who is who is leading a ministry the amount of devastation that this would that this thing that this caused globally is i i don't know if it could ever be quantified but the reality is this is where i'm going to leave you and this is where we're going to pick it up next week When this started in Ravi's life, 
and like I said, we don't know when, but I, I can, I can be very, very sure that it was sometime after the ministry began. I can't, I just, I can't get, I can't get there that he started this as that type of sexual predator. I just can't, I just can't get there. I could see it happening based on the, the the circumstances of his life, but I can't see it starting there. I just maybe I'm wrong on that, but that's 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 the best that I can do there. But whenever wherever it was, one of the things that I have known for a very long time in the church, and this may this may be upsetting to some people, but I think it will be, I think most people who have dealt with this kind of thing um, will uh, will understand. I I I grew up exposed to pornography at a very young age. A very young age. It was not hard for me to get a hold of it. If I couldn't get a hold of it in my own house, all my friends' parents had it, or they had the TV shows and the satellite dishes and the American triple triple Xity and the Playboy channels and and all that stuff. It was all readily available. And I'm not talking about, you know, seventeen, eighteen. I'm talking about eleven, twelve, thirteen. Okay. So I didn't know any better growing up. So when I became a Christian, I didn't even know that this was wrong. But once once I start walking with the Lord and I start understanding what purity is, the spirit of Lord the spirit of the Lord comes alive in you. One of the things that I realized was that I had a problem. But one of the other things that I very quickly realized was that the church was not a safe place to try to find help for that problem. Over the years, I have watched friends be destroyed because of a moral failure. Uh, I have watched and heard people talking about, well, you know, you got to expel the immoral brother. And we use that scripture as, as though people actually know what it even means because it's got, it's got nothing to do with the way it's usually applied in, uh, today. But people, and I hear this from men and, and occasionally from women, that they don't believe that they can get help for their problem with pornography and sexual immorality in their own church. I've had men from other churches come to me to get help with pornography because they're afraid of what will happen to them in their church if it actually comes out. And they know that I'll, I'll help them. I'll, I'll keep that secret. I encourage them every, every single time to let their church leadership know so that they can be held accountable. And they never do it. Uh, and I understand why, and it would be wrong for me to violate their trust in, uh, in that way. But I have known for many, many years that to a large degree, I'm not talking about everyone. Please don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. But for many, many years I've known, and a lot of people out there, and some of you are probably going to be watching this, know very well, that as, as a hospital for the sick, the church is really bad at this. And I mean really bad at this. You've got to have the right connection, be the right person, have the right last name in order to be restored after a moral, after a moral failure. If you don't, you're not only ruined, you're kind of pushed off into a dark box and stored somewhere in a damp corner in a basement. Any hope you ever have of any kind of ministry is gone. Any kind of hope you have of, of serious friendships or relationships tends to be gone because every time you start talking to someone, everyone in the leadership, if you bring it out to the church, all of a sudden starts looking at that relationship through the lens of your previous failure. I mean, God forbid that you actually find some sort of restoration and be able to move on with your life. We're really bad at this. And part of me wonders, and this is, like I said, this is what we're going to talk about next week. If the church was a safe place for people with sexual issues, sexually immoral issues, would Ravi have gotten the help that he needed when he needed it? I, I can't say yes or no on that, but it's a question that I think is valid and needs to be addressed because this is what no one is talking about. I have yet to see, and if, if you find someone online who actually actually is talking about this, please let me know because I'd love to know what their take is on it. But this is, the, this is the question that I've had in, in my mind. If the church was a safe place for people with issues in this area, 
would he have gotten the help that he needed when he needed it? Or was it simply – and this is why I think this was actually, this actually happened to him in the middle of his ministry. I think he got to the point where the ministry was big, and it was, it was moving, and this happened. And I'd be willing to bet that he pulled this thing, and this is just – this is my personal thought. Okay, Don't take this as anything other than that, that he would have internalized this and probably buried it deep. And like any sin left ignored, you can't fix the issue that you don't acknowledge. You can't get help for what you will not put on the table. You can't just you can't just decide you're healthy when you can't breathe. You can't just wish this stuff away. The one thing about the church that is always supposed to be there is we're supposed to be able to walk together and to bear one another's burdens. But to use really plain language, we suck at it. We're really, really bad at this. We love to, we love to identify other people's burdens and make them aware that we're aware of their burdens. But we're really, really bad at helping people walk with their burdens. We're really, really bad at keeping things confidential between, between two people. We're really bad about not sharing somebody else's burden. By the way, it's called gossip, and it's a sin, by the way. Got to find a way to do better at this because the list of men over the centuries who have fallen and fallen hard and taken huge chunks of the church with them, and Ravi will take a portion of the church with him. There's no way. It's actually already, it's already started happening. I think we need to work on being a safer place. I'm not talking about safe spaces. Don't get, don't get silly. We need to be a safer place for people who are hurting in these issues. We need to figure out a way to help them. To not only help them get better, to actually restore them to the place where God intended them to be. To restore them to the calling that God has in front of them. God has a calling for all of us. God had a calling for Robbie. We all know what that calling was. The problem was Satan got in there. I think Satan got in there because he was the only one willing. Okay, that was enough of me. Um, sorry for the little for the little rant. Um, if any of you have uh, any questions or comments, anything you'd like me to elaborate on, um, or or any questions about the report or anything like that, I'd be happy to answer those for you. Go ahead and pop those in now. Um, if not, I do appreciate you being here. Again, if you're on Facebook and you're watching this, please do me a favor, click over to YouTube when we're, when we're done. The link is also in the comment section. Um, and subscribe to my Between Meals YouTube channel. The subscriptions really do help promote the ministry. And, um, for a long, t- for, I haven't really done a push on this in, in, in quite a while, but uh, this is something that I really think God has been using. And I think it's, uh, I, I want to try to make this whatever it can be. And your help by subscribing and, uh, um, and, uh, uh, and commenting and liking and things like that. It really does help with the algorithms. And that's just kind of the way it works. Uh, the way I look at it is if people are online, then that's where the min, that's where the ministry should be as well. And, if this is where God has me for the moment, well, then that, this is what I'll do. So, um, Lord bless you. Okay, I don't see – let me see if I've uh, missed anything in the comments here. Oh, yes. Yeah, Betsy, absolutely. Um, uh, Betsy posted up that she's um, – uh, been doing a lot of reading, and a lot of the, a lot of people have talked about their kidnapping um, for human trafficking, uh, and part of their torture is actually avail- available for viewing on Pornhub websites. Um, some of their um, some of their some of their material. So, for those of you who don't know, Pornhub has been sued by a number of women who have gotten away from it for basically human trafficking of minors for for basically this type of sexual abuse, um, and they were found guilty. They were found they were found guilty for it. It was, it was proven that they basically targeted these girls, used drugs and alcohol and other coercive practices to get them in, in, involved in these things, and basically videotaped them being raped in, in multiple different ways and just kind of sent, sent them on their way. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. And now these guys are making millions of dollars off of these videos, and because the parent company for this company is actually outside the U.S., we can't do anything about it. Well, at least that's what the government says. The government says we can't do anything about it. The problem is the government thinks everyone is stupid. You see, the the internet traffic inside the United States can be controlled. You can actually block all content from certain providers 
relatively easily. China does it all the time. UK does it to, uh, 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 regularly. The um, uh, 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 what is it? Uh, Aust- um, uh, New Zealand, Australia. They they do it regularly. It's not that difficult to do. The problem is our government doesn't want to do it. And I'm not even going to go there. I, I just it's so disgusting that we allow these things to happen. People talk about pornography as some sort of art form. It's not an art form. It's it's prostitution with a camera. That's all it is. And the problem is they, it happens over and over and over and over and over again, and no one even bats an eye because in our life, we've become so anesthetized to it. We've become so used to it. We don't even think about it anymore. Um, yeah, anyway. <laughs> so like I said, next week we're going to be talking about uh, – how to deal with this, how to identify, how to, uh, how to avoid, and how to help one another. That, that's, really, that's really the thing that we need to, we need to be looking at, is how to help one another get through this. And uh, man, I can't even begin to tell you how important this really is. Um, so uh, I haven't seen any questions or anything come up, so uh, I understand this is a heavy subject, so I get it. Um, if you have questions and, and uh, or anything like that that you want to add or have me add into next week's, uh, please just either either put them in the comments afterwards or email me at office at riveroflifechurch.org. Uh, and I'll be happy to do it. Or if you're on Facebook, you can private message me, and that would be great too. Uh, and I'll be happy to do that, uh, to take a look at that, because this is a very, very important subject. And if you or anyone you know is locked into this and you don't know how to get out, please reach out to me. You know, um, it's it's not an easy victory, but it's it's one that can be attained. You just can't do it alone, and I, I can't stress that enough. You cannot win this fight on your own. You are you are physically incapable of winning this fight on your own. And as if you're you're a male and you're married, let me help you understand something. Your wife can help you, but you need another man involved in this because you can lie to your wife about it. It's very difficult to lie to another guy about it who's also in the uh, has knows about the issue because we'll catch you. One of the things one of the things that I have heard from men and I'll 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 end with this. This is this is just free for tonight. One of the things that I've heard from guys is they hesitate to come talk to me about their porn problem because they know I know enough about it to spot their lies. When they talk about the the uh, apps that they use, and then when I take a look at their phone, when I start taking a look at their histories, when I get into their devices, I'm going to catch you. I'm going to catch you. I know what to look for because I used to do it. I know how to hide the stuff because I used to hide it that way. I was good at it. So I know how to find it. So your wife is going to play a vital role in that, but she's not going to be the one that's going to hold your feet to the fire. You need another guy in your life, one who's going to be able to grab you by the neck and say, hey, what are you doing? Because they're not invested in your marriage. They can actually grab you, throw you around, come up to you on a Sunday morning and say, hey, welcome welcome to church. God bless you. Give me your phone. That's what you need in your life. That's the kind of intervention you're going to need in your life to get past the initial stages of this so that you can find a measure of victory. But you see, we don't do it because that requires a degree of openness. And boy, do we hate to be open, especially as men. And women, it's the same thing. You need, you need someone walking with you. Okay, so that's it. I appreciate you. Love you guys. Hope you're having a great night. Uh, hope you're having a great... What a stupid thing to say right there. Anyway, all right, we'll see you next week. Lord bless you. Have a fantastic evening, and uh, Lord bless you. I'm just rambling now. Okay, we're done. Bye-bye. See you next week.